We are in week number four of our series that we call, we're calling Q&A, Questions and Answers. This is all based on uh, the surveys that so many of you filled out uh, on Christmas Eve, asking really, uh, we were asking what is the top questions that you have uh, about the Bible, and we've taken the top five responses, and we're looking at each one of those uh, week by week here. Next week we'll be concluding uh, this series called Q&A. Uh, the fourth most common question uh, from that survey that you wanted to hear about uh, from the Bible was, how do I let go of offenses? How do I let go of offenses? So that's what we're going to talk about in our time together. So if you have your church app, uh, go ahead and open that up and uh, uh, it'll give you the outline and you can just fill in the blanks with the outline there if you don't have your church app yet it's free we encourage you to download that a lot of great information there for you and again uh, the message right now the outline is there fill in the blanks and you can go back and forth uh, between uh, the bible app as well and it's just a great tool uh, that can help reinforce our time together now that being said as we start off this message about how do i let go of offenses let me just ask a, a show of hands just kind of get a feel for 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 who's here and obviously in Poughkeepsie welcome to our, all our Poughkeepsie people uh, big shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus uh, how many of you have ever hurt someone uh, just really caused someone a lot of emotional pain can I see your hands okay we have an honest group here uh, a few of you are just lying outright and uh, that's what we're going to talk about next week. How do I stop lying compulsively? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But, but maybe we should do this. If you didn't raise your hand, let's ask the person sitting next to you. Uh, uh, have they ever hurt you, the person sitting next to you? Just raise your hand right there. Okay. All right, we, we're going to talk about lying. No, just kidding. Uh, but, but I think we've all, the fact about we've all hurt people. We, we, we have. And, and we've all offended someone at some time, some place, uh, we've offended someone. Maybe I should ask this question. I think it's pretty obvious. How many of you have ever gotten offended at something? All right, there we go. Now honesty just bathes over the whole church uh, right now. Uh, I, I've got, you know, sometimes you go to the doctor and, and you get a, a physical, and after he takes an examination, all he may walk in, he goes, I got some good news and I got some bad news. You ever been in one of those scenarios? Where I got some good news, I've got some bad news. Well, when it comes to offenses tonight, I've got some good news, and I've got some really bad news to share with you. And I don't know about you, whenever I'm set, uh, faced with that choice, good news or bad news, I always want to hear the bad news first. I always want to hear the bad news first. So let me give you the bad news when it comes to offenses. Are you ready for this? Here's the bad news. Offenses are inevitable. There's nothing you can do to stop them. It is a part of life. In fact, Jesus made it clear, <laughs> you can't live in this world without being offended. It's part of life on earth. How much more so do we need to answer the question, how do I let go of offenses? How do I let go? Because offenses are inevitable. Let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. Jesus made it perfectly clear. Offenses must come. It, it has to happen. But woe to the man by whom the offenses come. He says this is a part of life. You can't live on planet earth without getting offended. 
It's part of the human experience, if I could put it that way. So that's the bad news. If you've never been offended, guess what? It's gonna happen. In fact, some of you are gonna get offended during this message. I hope not, but, but you might just get offended in this message about offenses. According to the dictionary, the word woe here, uh, what does that mean? It's not like, whoa, dude, that's awesome. It doesn't mean that. What does woe mean when Jesus says, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come? Woe means grievous distress, affliction, or trouble. That's what woe means. Grievous distress, affliction, or trouble to the world because of offenses. Anyone who's ever really been offended, you're like, that's it. That's exactly what I feel. I feel afflicted. I feel like a grievous distress that my heart has been troubled. But Jesus also notes this, that it's terrible, it's painful an offense, but you know what? They must come. And I think that's the key to, first of all, us understanding about offenses and how to let go of them is Jesus said they, it's got to happen. So maybe there's something more to offenses than we've ever even thought about before. They're inevitable. That's an inevitable part of life. Either way, life affords us daily opportunities to have to deal with offenses, to have to learn how are we going to handle these offenses because Jesus says they must come. Now, here's the thing about offenses. They're going to come. it's, It's always gonna happen. They must come. But, but the big thing is this, how do we handle them? That's the bad news, offenses are inevitable. But here's the thing, offenses show us if we're emotionally mature or if we're emotionally immature. They show us if we're spiritually mature or if we're spiritually immature. Think about the life of Jesus for just a minute. How many opportunities did he have to be offended? He was the king of kings. He was the Lord of lords. He was disrespected, disregarded, betrayed, and crucified like a common criminal. If anyone had a right to be offended, it was Jesus. But he was emotionally mature. And he was spiritually mature. And he did not get offended. He never said, whoa, do you realize I am the son of God? You better back off and treat me the way you're supposed to. Never did that. And so offenses are inevitable. And, and while offenses are inevitable, Jesus doesn't let the offender off the hook. But woe to the man by whom the offenses come. So, so when we offend other people, it's no small thing at all. You know, oftentimes we hear when we're talking about offenses, the idea of, well, that person's just really thin-skinned. What does that mean, thin-skinned? It means easily offended. That means emotionally immature. Spiritually immature. Just thin-skinned. And you know what? Lots and lots of Christians are really thin-skinned. Just check your news feed. How offended we get when anyone says anything that we don't completely agree with, offended, we go on a rampage. Offended, so easily offended. 
And what we're proving is we're emotionally and spiritually immature by our offenses. Listen, I think I have a PhD in being offended. There's no pastor in America, my wife's kind of smiling in the front row. There's no pastor in America that, that has been a pastor for any length of time that hasn't been stabbed in the back, criticized, judged, thrown under the bus, lied on. This is just like job description 101 of pastors. This is just, and, and you gotta learn how to get some thick skin or you don't last. That's why the dropout rate for pastors is over 78%. How's that for encouraging? 78% of pastors, those who start in the pastoral career, 78% drop out before time to retire. Thin-skinned, thin-skinned. So the bad news is offenses are inevitable. How many of you are ready for the good news? Ready? I want some good news about offenses. Here they are. Offenses can be good for us. How's that? Offenses can be good for us. That God is so big that he can take the raw material of things that would offend us and he can actually work it for our good. Offenses are actually good for us. This is really hard in the midst of being offended to, to really think about or to accept. It's very difficult to believe that anything good could come out of an offense. But let me give you just one example in the Bible, and there are many. Joseph in the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, Joseph, one of the patriarchs. Joseph was ridiculed, he was kidnapped, he was then sold into slavery by his brothers. He was later falsely accused of attempting to seduce the wife of a high-ranking official in Egypt. Uh, he spent several years in prison because he was falsely accused uh, of that crime. Uh, and it was years before he was vindicated. He could have been a very, very angry person and very angry at his brothers. But as God would have it, years and years after all of this terrible, what we would say offensive things happening to him, all this hurt, he's in the position of power number two next to Pharaoh. He's second in line to Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And his brothers come to him in need at a time of famine. And this was a time when, man, he could really get even with them. But look at what he said. Incredible insight into the fact that offenses can be good for us. In Genesis chapter 50, but Joseph said to them, in that moment when he was faced with his brothers, after all this hurt, all this pain, all this opportunity for offense, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow. Joseph recognized that, that God could take the terrible, hurtful, painful stuff in your life and my life, and he could actually use that, not that he wants us to suffer or feel those things, but whatever comes to us, he's like, I can use that, I'll use that, I'll turn that around, and got Joseph, because of all those hurts, right where he wanted him to be for the saving of many, many lives. And Joseph never took retribution on his brothers because he recognized that offenses can actually be good for us. What if God had 
a deep, deep and important purpose that he wanted to work in your life through that hurt that you've had to face, through that offense that you've had to work through. Something that he intends for good to bring about because he truly, truly loves us. No, he didn't want it to happen, but God says, I can use anything. I can use good, I can use bad to get you to fulfill that purpose I created you for. Get you where he, I want you to be. Romans 8, 28 in the New Testament tells us this, doesn't it? We never think about this in terms of being offended. Look at what Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. He works it all for good. Not just the good stuff. He works for the good in all things. What does that mean, all things? That means even in the midst of hurt and pain and offense, God can work good out of all things. All things. And, and here's the third thing about offenses. The good news, the bad news is they're inevitable. The second thing, the good news is uh, that, that offenses can be good for us. And, and here's the thing, being offended is a choice. Being offended is a choice we make. We decide, I am going to be offended. We allow our emotions to control us. By the way, that's what we're gonna be talking about next week, how to control emotions. Being offended is a choice. We have to choose to be offended. And, and, and let me uh, just share this verse. I think this is a verse that every Christian should memorize. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. How practical is this? Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. That's a choice we have. Every one of us has a choice. Am I going to overlook this, or am I going to hang on to it? Am I going to give the benefit of the doubt? A am I going to realize, you know what, they probably didn't mean that. They certainly didn't mean it if they knew what it would make me feel like. It's to a person's glory to overlook an offense. That's what the Bible says. It's possible we make the choice. I'm gonna overlook this. I, I choose to overlook this. I choose to forgive. It makes good sense to be slow to anger and it's the glory of someone to overlook an offense. And listen, there are certain times when it's, it's legitimate to, to be upset. It's legitimate to be angry. Uh, but even then, we have to be careful with that strong emotion of anger, resentment, bitterness, because it turns toxic really, really quick. It turns into resentment and bitterness. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 puts it this way, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Do you know what that's, that our emotions wanna control us. Our emotions want to say, you have to be offended by this. You can't let this go. You, you can't just forgive. But the Bible says, don't sin by letting anger control you. And, and so anger can be valid response to something when, it's, uh, when something's done wrong to us, uh, but it can quickly, as I said, become very, very toxic, not only to yourself, but, but to those who are in direct contact with you as well. Anger has a way of not just affecting us, it affects those closest to us as well. Maybe they're not even the ones responsible for the offense, but it boils over because it's toxic 
because it's poison. James chapter one, you may remember we did a whole series on this in the summer, passage by passage, but just to remind you, James chapter one, verse 19 through 20 says, my dear friends, you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, or to get angry. We should be slow to speak and slow to get angry. If you're angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. Wow, how about that? Do you know what that says to me? If I'm angry, there's no way what I'm about to do is going to be God's will. It's impossible. It's impossible to do God's will and be angry. Can't do it. If you're angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants you to do. One translation, this is James chapter one, this is contemporary English version, one translation says, the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Doesn't happen. And so many Christians are angry, angry. Oh, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about us. I wanna take my nation back. We're gonna take this nation back, one nation under God. You lose, you lose that will not accomplish what God wants done. Because when you're angry, you cannot do any good thing that God wants done. Between the offense and our response is what I like to call the power to choose. When the offense happens and before we respond, there's this window of time and it's the power to choose. Am I going to be angry about this, or am I gonna overlook it before we respond? That's precisely, that's what makes us human, is our ability to respond, our ability to choose, our ability that we don't have to respond in kind when we've been hurt. We don't have to do it. And so, you know, one of the names or phrases of, of God in the Bible is the great physician. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but our Heavenly Father has a prescription on how to deal with offenses, how to treat offenses. And, and so if you're here right now and you know what, even as I've been talking and looking at some of these verses, I realize, man, I've got, some, I've got some stuff. I've got some hurt. I've got some hard spots in my heart towards my brother, towards my ex, towards my kids, towards my parents, towards my boss, towards my employees. God has a prescription for treating offenses. There's four parts to this prescription that God has for us. The first one is this, realize it affects my relationship with God. Did you realize that if you're offended with someone else, it affects your relationship with God? <laughs> Shocking. So many followers of Christ don't understand this, and they, we feel like, we feel justified in being offended. We feel justified with cutting people off. But let's look at what the Bible says, because the Bible says, God's word says, he tells us, realize it affects your relationship with God. 
when we're offended with someone else. What are you talking about, Greg? Well, just check out this one verse even. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. It says, but if we say we love God and we don't love each other, we're liars. We cannot see God. So how can we love God if we don't love the people we can see? Oh, snap. Ouch. The Bible says, if, if we say we love God and we don't love people we can see, we're lying. We say we can love someone that we don't see, but we can't get along and love people we do. It's impossible. We're, 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 we're deceiving ourselves. We're, we're hypocrites. And isn't that the big argument all the time against Christians? Oh, they're just hypocrites. I think maybe because of this. Because we don't get along with each other. Because we get so easily offended with a brother or sister in Christ and we cut that relationship off. And then we say, love God. Oh, I love God. I can't stand him, but I love God. (laughs) And the Bible tells us, you're not telling the truth. That's not truth. And our world says you're justified, but God says you're not. You're hurting your relationship with me. My relationship is fractured with God when I mistreat one of his children, when I offend, when I'm offended with one of his children, when I cut off a brother or sister in Christ. It's powerful. And so the the first thing is realizing it's not just between me and this guy. It's not just between me and my brother in Christ. If I don't get this right, this is never going to be right. My relationship with God is not going to be right. How many of your parents, it's okay, it doesn't bother you when your kids fight with one another? It breaks your heart, doesn't it? It breaks your heart when your kids are fighting with each other, when they're mean with each other, when they, when they mistreat each other. How much more so our Heavenly Father? It hurts His heart. And that's what 1 John 4.20 is telling us. But if we say we love God and don't love each other, we're liars. We cannot see God, so how can we love God if we don't love the people that we can see? So the first part of the prescription for treating offenses is to realize that my offenses that I'm holding on to, that I'm just kind of nursing and taking care of and I replay those memories over and over and over and I just grind on those things, that the more I grind, the more pain and hurt comes into my relationship with God. Some of us are wondering why God seems so far away right here because we're holding things against brothers and sisters in Christ see this is why I say holding on to offenses and I'm not immune to this I got to make the choice all the time holding on to offenses is spiritual immaturity let me explain why I say that 
Because to, to hold something against someone else, particularly a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ, is to fail to recognize all that God has forgiven me. All that God has overlooked because of Jesus Christ in Greg's life. All that, the, the, the price he paid to overlook my sin. And now I'm gonna hold this against someone else. And it's, it's an immature, spiritually speaking, an immature perspective, not realizing how much God has gone, how much he's gone through and done to forgive us. So the first thing is realize it affects my relationship with God. Here's the second thing, and this is real important. Acknowledge the hurt. You gotta acknowledge the hurt. Psalm 39, verse two and three gives us good wisdom on this. It says, I kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. I just stewed. It's all under the surface. I kept quiet. I didn't acknowledge it, and I got even more upset. I became very angry inside, and as I thought about it, my anger burned. See, that's what happens with an offense. It doesn't go away. Time heals all wounds. Who made that up? What a joke. Time heals all wounds. Right here, the Bible tells us the truth. You just hold it in. You just hold it down. It becomes worse and worse and worse. Keep quiet, and your anger's just gonna burn inside of you. Have you you ever come across someone like this? Where you said something, and maybe, okay, maybe it wasn't the best timing or anything, but, but the response should have been maybe on a scale of one to 10, like a three or a two, and instead you got like 28 because they're carrying all this stuff like a ticking time bomb. And so we have to acknowledge the hurt. How do we acknowledge the hurt? First of all, we gotta be honest with God about what's going on inside of us. We have to acknowledge, man, I am hurt, and, and you know what? The feelings, the, the, the anger, the resentment, the bitterness that I have towards this person, it is eating me alive inside. Eating me alive inside. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, if we're honest and we deal with the hurt and what's really going on inside of us, He forgives them and cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. Do you know what good news tonight? God wants to clean you out. God wants to clean me out of the stuff that we're hanging on to, of the offenses, of the the bitterness, of that resentment just percolating under the surface. God says, you can't carry that. I didn't create you to carry that kind of toxic emotions and feelings. I know it hurt. Talk to me about it. Because when we talk to God about all that that we're carrying and we're holding on that other people have done to us or or maybe they didn't do and they let us down we thought they should have done for us. He says, I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna cleanse you from everything inside there that you've been holding on to that was really wrong. Holding on to an offense. Realize it affects my relationship with God. Acknowledge the hurt. Here's the third thing, pray. We need to pray. If you're offended, you need to pray. Now understand what we need to pray. 
and how we need to pray. Are you ready for this? I love the Bible because it is brutally practical. Let's listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter five, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now let's just stop right there. How many, just put that on the refrigerator. Yes, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. He said, you heard that. Woo, that's my favorite verse in the Bible. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Yeah, but he didn't stop there. Look at what he says, but I tell you, Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know how you know if you've really let go of resentment and bitterness and offense? You can pray all God's blessings down on your enemies. God, I pray you'd bless them. God, I pray you'd bless them physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. God, I pray you just rain down blessings on that person who did me wrong. That's what Jesus said his followers are supposed to do. Not hold on to offenses, but, but in that praying, you know what? It's not praying to change God or then in the sense that God would even do something. It's in that prayer, you know what happens? It changes us. When I hear my voice asking God to bless someone who's hurt me, who's rejected me, who's turned their back on me, you know what? It starts breaking up this hard stuff that's so easy to accumulate in our hearts. And so Jesus said, pray for your enemies. <laughs> not God bust their teeth out, kill them all, God. That's not it at all. Ask God to bless them. And he begins to change something in our hearts. I, I heard, uh, read a lot of books by John Maxwell. He's a great leadership. Uh, he was a pastor and he talks about leadership. And uh, one of the statements he made really struck me one time. He wrote it in one of his books. He said, you and you alone choose who your enemies are. And if you choose, you don't have to have any enemies. I was like, hmm, wow. And, and a long time ago, <laughs> my wife Susie and I just decided, we're not gonna have any enemies. We're, no one is gonna make an enemy of ours. We just won't, we're not gonna do it. Well, how, how do you live like that? You just, you forgive. You forgive, and, and you can't keep holding things against people because we all sin. We all hurt each other. We all make mistakes. So pray. Here's the thing. If you don't pray about it, <laughs> that hurt inside will get bigger, not better. If you don't pray about it, it it'll just keep building up inside building up inside it'll get worse not better so we need to pray and here's the fourth part of the prescription for treating offenses realize it affects my relationship with God acknowledge the hurt pray and here's the fourth thing and this is very real the fourth part is this deal with the root of rejection because that's that's at the bottom of every offense we feel rejected we feel shafted. We feel overlooked. 
deal with the root of rejection. It's interesting, uh, in the book of Acts, <clears throat> there was a confrontation at one point with one of the apostles and, and, and uh, a man lived in the city. And the apostle said this in Acts chapter eight, verse 23, for I see that you are full of bitterness, watch this now, and captive to sin. Did you realize bitterness makes you captive to sin? It's, it's like a chain. It's like a ball and chain that we walk around with. Bitterness and resentment. Holding on to these offenses from back in 1987. My track coach, I can't believe what he said to me when I was 14 years old. And listen, that was 29 years ago. He died 12 years ago. And you're still captive to sin and bitterness. And so deal with the root of rejection. This word sin is interesting. There's a couple of different words for sin in the Bible. Most of the time the word in the original language of the New Testament for sin means to miss the mark, but that's not what this word means in Greek in the original language of the New Testament. This word used here in Acts chapter eight, verse 23, means injustice or wrongdoing. You're full of bitterness and captive to sin, wrongdoing that's been done to you. Something wrong happened to you and it, you seized on that offense and it's made you bitter inside. And that's not what God wants us to live, that kind of life, so far below what his intentions are for us. And so how do, we, how do we deal with it ultimately, this root of bitterness? First of all, we've got to recognize that person hurt me, but because I'm holding on to that resentment and that offense, you know what? Now I've sinned. They sinned against me, but because I chose to hold that against them, now I have a sin problem. It's almost like the double whammy. They hurt me, and I've chosen to hold on to that hurt, and now it's hurt me even more. And I'm choosing to hold on to it and not let it go. Also in the book of Acts, Acts chapter three, verse 19, it tells us what to do. Repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Listen, I, I don't know what you came in here with today. I, I don't know what hard, difficult, painful things that you've gone through in your life that you're holding on to in your heart. I don't know. But you know what I do know? God wants to bring you refreshing. That's what God wants. That's what your heavenly father wants. He wants to refresh you. He, he, he wants to restore joy to you. Joy. How does it happen? By turning to him and saying, God, I, I'm not gonna carry this anymore. I, I don't want this anymore. It's too hard, it's too hurtful. God, I forgive and I trust you. Whatever you came here with today, I pray that you'd allow God 
to open up that hard area as a good physician in your heart. Do a little heart surgery and touch your life with his healing power. Let me say this as we close. The strongest Christians that I know, those who have real spiritual maturity, are those who have learned how to forgive and how to overlook an offense because they realize this, holding on to hurt, holding on to an offense, never hurts the person. It always hurts me. It hurts me. And that's true Christian maturity. And God says, let it go. I didn't create you to carry that kind of hurt. And so here's the question I want to end with today. What can you do to become less likely to be offended? What what can you do? I want you to think about that. What can you do to to get a little thicker skin? (laughs) To, To when someone says something, when someone lets you down, to be able to overlook it. Not for their good so much as your own. Your own spiritual health and vitality. I'm gonna ask, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know that this is, uh, this is not easy stuff because so many of us, we've, we, we've gone through some really difficult times. We've faced some heartbreak, some real pain, some, some real hurt and real offenses that have happened from people that we trusted, people that we counted on, people that we loved. Father, we pray right now that that you would help us just to open our hearts and allow you to heal those hurts. Lord, because for many of us, we realize perhaps for the first time that, that holding on to those offenses, it's affecting our relationship with you. And we just wanna acknowledge that hurt. And God, we, we pray. We pray for good even for those that have hurt us. We pray that you'd, you'd bless those that have done us wrong. We, we wanna come to that place, Lord, where we can do that with sincerity in our hearts, that we can really pray, as Jesus said, that we would pray for those that even persecute us. And Lord, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit just to deal with the root of rejection, knowing that you wanna refresh us and make us whole and heal our hearts In Jesus' name we pray, amen.